I think uh, because the the people that we're kind of like starting to build ourselves around, like you, like back in the day, your typical athlete would have his homeboys and those different people around. So when you having your homeboys around, the conversations are not about like business investments or it's not about different things. Now guys are coming out and they have teams and they have these teams that have, you know, your agent, your insurance guys, your business manager, uh, marketing person, like, like now you have components that actually show that you're creating a business entity or creating an empire. Cause it, it's not about just getting like endorsement deals now. Like, yeah, you can get, you can get wrote an endorsement check, but you know, you want to be a part of the company. You want to be a part of a brand. You want to be a part of, you know, something that can, that can grow really, really big. And, and you want to be able to have, you know, your hands on that product from start to finish. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to My Social Life. This is the podcast where you can hear the real stories behind the people on social media. I'm your host, Jacob Kelly. As always, today's podcast is powered by TrueFan. Before we get into today's conversation with Thaddeus Young, there's a couple things that we need to go over first. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to leave us a positive rating and review and share this episode with a friend. And as a reminder, today's podcast is part of the 2021 Hashtag Sports Podcast Summit. If you want to learn more about one of the biggest sports media conferences on the planet, I'll make sure everything is linked in the show notes down below so you can learn more. And if you're joining us from the conference, welcome. I'm very excited to have you here. Make sure you subscribe and stay tuned for future episodes. I put out brand new interviews every single Monday. And a brand new takeaways episode is an audio exclusive where I sit down and break down those recent podcast episode of the week every single Thursday. And now without further ado, I'm very excited to present to you my conversation with Thaddeus Young. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to My Social Life. I'm your host, Jacob Kelly. As always, today's podcast is powered by TrueFan. And today on the show, we are joined by Thaddeus Young. Thaddeus is a professional basketball player in his 14th NBA season, currently a member of the Chicago Bulls. On top of his time as a pro athlete, Thaddeus is also the founder of Reform Ventures, a private investment fund that evaluates and provides value-added investment in early growth and late-stage companies. Some of his investments include DraftKings, Pinterest, SpaceX, Airbnb, Lyft, Rent the Runway, Wish, Coinbase, TrueFan, Overtime, Brisbane Bullets, Epic Games, and more. And I'm very excited to have him here on the podcast today. Thaddeus, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate that. I'm excited to have you here. And before we, before we get into to all the business stuff. I have one question. I want to go all the way back. Can you tell me about the best battle you ever had at Weaver Road? <laughs> uh, best battle. I don't, I don't think it was, it was a, a lot of battles because uh, I was usually winning most of them. But um, I mean, every, every single day was, was just tough. I mean, uh, that's where it all kind of started and just the, the grind happened. But, uh, you know, loved every bit of it. Um, you know, it's got me to the point where I am today. Um, it's made me tough, um, but uh, I'll probably say the 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 best battles were just trying to figure out how uh, you know I would over, overcome the circumstances that were around me. I think that was the the the, the best battles and the biggest battles and the toughest challenges for me. Uh, not so much on the basketball court, but you know everything that happens you know around that court um, from you know the people. Uh, standing outside and selling drugs to doing drugs to all the different stuff. So those are some of the challenges that you, you face with when you're growing up and, you know, you want to always put yourself in a position to where you succeed and be successful. And as a, as a 
kid as a teenager in that situation, what's the pressure like with the expectation that you're going to take basketball far? You know, like how do you, on top of just being a high school student, you're also battling, handling all that pressure, where you're going to go to school, things like that. How do you handle that as a 15, 16 year old? Uh, I mean, for me, um, you know, it was always me thinking about, you know, um, my parents and how they raised me, things that um, they've instilled in me uh, growing up. Um, for me, it's always been a matter of just going out there and just, uh, you know, being a leader within myself and not being a follower. Um, you know, I always kind of took it to my own horn. And, um, you know, and I understand uh, one of the biggest things is understanding and recognizing what's, what's right and what's wrong. Um, you know, when to say no and when to say yes. And I think I did a really good job of understanding those things uh, at an early age. And it's put me in a position to where I am now. Mm-hmm. And so you ended up being drafted it was seven days after your 19th birthday, right? Yep. And your first investment came your rookie year, right? It was a strip mall, I believe. Uh, well, that wasn't that wasn't my uh, my rookie year. Wasn't the first? Um, wasn't well. It was it my rookie year? Wasn't when I first invested. Um, it was more so when I first started to get into uh, my next contract. Uh, my first three or four years was just all saving. Uh, making sure that, you know, every every single dime and nickel and penny that I could scrape together was going into bank accounts and going into, you know, stocks and bonds and, and making sure that uh, it was all like uh, safe stuff, you know, um, you know, you know, moderately investing into stocks, but uh, extremely conservatively uh, continuing to put money away into CDs and bonds and making sure that, you know, I had something left to that, you know, if you know I wasn't to play another day of basketball, I was able to survive and live off that and be able to take care of my family um you know but um at that time you know uh, my first investment i would probably say went into you know strip malls and condo buildings and apartment complexes was uh probably around like uh year four or five for me okay and how do you how do where do you learn kind of navigate the whole business side and things like that like because you like so you come in the league you're 19 years old i flash back to when i was 19 and if like i'd came into that much money i would have had no idea what to do with it so how do you at that point i'm like how do you navigate that whole world how do you like find the people to put around you in that situation uh I, well i was i was blessed and fortunate enough to have people in my family that uh you know that that had made some money and that understood how to handle money uh, specifically, um, my business manager at the time, Kenneth Carter, um, who was a mentor of mine. He, uh, passed away not too long ago, um, from a stroke, but he, um, Sorry for he, loss. thank you. Yeah. He, um, he instilled a lot in me as far as growing up and understanding how to manage and handle money and how to put my money into the right, uh, situation to understand like what's a good deal, what's a bad deal. Um, always encouraging me to, uh, continue to be conservative, but, you know, um, you know, live life, you know, um, comfortably. And I think that's one of the biggest things that I learned how to do, not go for all the, the, the glitz and glamour or, or the big, the bigger, the bigger things, but always just try to be comfortable and try to make sure that um, I'm taking care of the business that I need to take care of. And so when you first, was it mainly, mainly real estate investments in the beginning before getting into, into tech investments and stuff like that? Yeah. For, well, we started off like, um, from the investment side of things, just um, moderately doing stocks. And then, like I said, bonds and CDs. And then uh, we started to get more into the, the real estate side of things because uh, his daughter was actually, she's actually a developer. Um, and she would bring me no branded deals. And these deals would, you know, um, you know bring back residuals and, and stuff like that, you know, on a monthly basis. And, and that was one of the biggest things, uh, creating uh, some type of uh, 
mailbox money episode where we can just have checks coming in, you know, uh, over the course of, uh, you know, months and months and months, you know, uh, and then potentially like, you know, selling later on down the line when the properties have appreciated in value and stuff like that. So um, just continuing to, to, to bring in like checks while I'm sleeping, just understanding that, you know, money is still going to be coming in and just building a uh, portfolio of uh, different things that uh, could continuously bring money in, you know, while, you know, I'm playing basketball and, and just having the stuff that's outside of basketball. And how do you determine when a, when a building, when it's time to sell one of your real estate properties? Like, what does that, what does that look like? Uh, it just depends. Like, um, you know, how much is appreciated in value? Um, you know, is it worth it or not to continue, continue um, to put money behind it as far as like building it up, um, making sure that, um, you know, it's the, it's the right time to sell and it's the right time to, to do certain things uh, with it. Uh, but, you know, I, I think it's, uh, you know, you know, but that, that's why you hire a team. You hire a team for different things that, that put you in a position to do these things. How do you, when do you, how do you go about setting up the team specifically for, for reform? Like, what did that look like? Did you have to do interviews? Was it kind of people that were already around you that you just kind of brought together to form that company? What did that process look like? I had somebody in my family, like I said, I had um, a business manager who was really good um, with handling money and uh, doing, uh, uh, he was a lawyer. You know, so he was he was uh, the one who kind of assembled the team. Uh, and we call it, you know, team fat, of course. You know, so you, know, you assemble your team, you assemble your, your agent, you assemble your insurance guys, and you have everybody else. Um, and I think all of these different people um, kind of help put reform together. Um, but um, as far as assembling the people who actually work day-to-day for reform, um, his daughter who's uh the developer she she actually has a she actually has an MIT degree as well and with her having an MIT degree it just made the most sense to make her the fund manager so she's the fund manager and um and basically like you know we we got together and we hired two investment analysis guys one solely works on uh, a lot of the real estate um stuff um and then another works on um solely um just looking and vetting the uh, investment deals as far as the tech and startup sector. Okay. And so, so with you traveling and you playing all the time, is kind of the structure of Reform right now. Like, so the team they're they're looking for the deals, they're vetting the deals, and then do they kind of bring you a short list to evaluate once they've identified some some key companies? Yeah. Um, so what we do is we we see a lot of deal flow every month, and with us seeing all of this deal flow every month, it's basically um, you know we might send, see 10, 15 deals a month. And we try to pick like three to five deals that we think are some of the better deals and, and the best deals. And then we try to go from there and take those deals and talk with the founders and talk with everybody that we need to in order to put um, to see if we want to place an investment uh, with those with those those companies. And usually um, out of those, you know, 10 or 15 deals or 20 deals that we see, we try to keep them to um, a minimum you know, or a maximum of five that we, we actually dive into. But if they don't meet one requirement, like on what we have as far as our criteria of making an investment, we, we push those deals aside and we move on to the next one. Just because like we have a, 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 a strict requirement on every single thing that we need in order to make the investment. Because, you know, when you're making these investments, these investments are very, very risky. You know, it's it's startups. So you don't so you know with it with them being very risky, you know, they can fail and you can lose all of your money that you put into it. Um and then we also um 
we have investment memos that come out um, that that we do on the deals, and it, it's a re- recommended amount of what we should invest. You know, so some companies have minimums of twenty five k. Some companies have minimums of fifty k. Some have seventy five. Some have two hundred fifty. Some hundred. And you know, um, what we do is we try to see how we can be a, a value add to each and every uh, deal that we um, that we get across our table. And if we can't be a value add, then um, those are typically not some of the deals that we kind of need to be a part of because, you know, we want to be able to help and, and get ourselves into uh, some of the best deals possible, but also be value add so where we can help these deals continue to grow. What are some ways you and the team are able to, to add value to these companies? Uh, <clears throat> I think the, some of the ways that uh, we've been able to add value, like I, I just made an investment into, um, into overtime. Are you familiar with overtime? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. So, so I just made an investment to overtime, uh, and some of the ways that we can help, you know, overtime is like obviously, like I'm an NBA basketball player, uh, so helping connect with other basketball players, which I got two of my teammates into the deal as well, um, helping connect them with um, other companies that we deal with. So, a company called like Shot Tracker for like sport for like um, live analytics during the game, real time analytics during games. Uh, a company called uh, Plantiga, which is a, I think, Canadian-based company that we uh, made an investment into, um, that does uh, force plate technology um, for players and uh, different uh, in the military as well. Um, and another company was a, a company called Shoot Three Sixty, um, and they do um, shooting, passing, and uh, and dribbling uh, training. So just companies like we we try to find value add into like all the different companies that we work with, um, you know, players TV, mixing those two together, I think would be really good because players TV is a channel, uh, that's showing in over a hundred million households and, uh, over time is coming up with their league and they want to be able to show into as many households as possible, as well as have more eyeballs on the stuff that they're actually pushing out. And, um, even though they, they do have so many eyeballs already on all of their content and the stuff that they do, you know, I, I think it's just going to continuously uh, make everything bigger and better with the companies that we're, we're providing them with and that we're helping with. And then, you know, I've been talking with Zach, the founder, um, you know, he, he actually, he actually was a, a, he's a Philly fan. So, and he's, I think he's from Philly. So, so we kind of hit it off right then and there. Cause he was like, yeah, I grew up watching you, blah, blah, boom. You know, and then we kind of just hit it off and, uh, started to have some really good conversations as far as like overtime, how overtime continue to blow up and, and grow. That's awesome. And so on, do you have any like recurring responsibilities? Like, yes, you have to, you talk to founders on the phone, different things like that. You help make those connections, but as an investor, do you have any other responsibilities once you make an investment into the company? Uh, I mean, it just depends. Like some companies I, um, I try to get advisory roles or like an advisor seat or board seat, um, to where I can kind of, you know, be involved in discussions and talks and stuff like that to understand more about like um, the next phase of the company and how the company's going to continue to improve and grow. Uh, but, um, you know, my responsibilities um, once we make the investment is to, you know, see how we can continue to value add through the other companies that we invest with or the companies that we form a relationship or a bond with uh, through uh, our vetting process. So, um, we've been doing a really good job of just placing companies with other companies and, and giving them avenues to where they can be able to, you know, go out and work and, and continue to, to grow the companies. 
through some of the different uh, resources that we have, but not only the resources that we have, but the resources that the companies that we're placing it with have. And what are some, like, you don't have to give away all the secrets by any means, but what are some of those other criteria that you look for when you're, when you're listening to pitches or evaluating companies? Uh, I think one of the biggest things um, that we, um, we look for is like um, problem solving. Like, like there's a, if there's a problem that that's being put out in the air, how can they solve it and how can they solve it? And then if another problem occurs, can do they have the team or the members uh, within their, their team to continuously solve problems on the day to day basis, on the day to day basis and continue to, you know, update and, you know, be able to push out data and software and, and, you know, um, analytics on all of the products that they have continuously. Like, you know how, you know, it's like, it's like when you have, you play video games like you want the updates quick fast and hurry right so like if it's glitches in the system like you want to know how how are they going to how quick can they fix those glitches because if they don't fix them fast enough then they lose customers they lose clients they lose people that and, and they lose interest so i'm the same way I, I want to be able to see um how quick they can fix those those uh those glitches within their systems beyond just kind of the company itself, is there anything you look for specifically in the entrepreneur and kind of building on that? Have you ever invested in a company because you like the entrepreneur almost more than their business? Honestly, I, I, my first investment, um, as a, in a startup company, you know, I invested, um, I think solely because I had a relationship with, um, the person and his entrepreneurial spirit, um, not based upon the actual business model. Um, I mean, I looked at the business model. I thought it was a great business model, but apparently, like, obviously, it was my first investment, so I was going more solely off the emotional uh, aspect of it. So for me, um, yes, I have done that, but um, I learned from that first investment that, you know, obviously, I, I can't just make one investment and think that one is just going to hit off. So I learned from that first investment that, okay, if I'm going to be doing this, that I need to create a team. I need to create a, a strategy. I need to create some type of uh, criteria that I can go by to be able to make investments. So um, from that day forward, I started to look at the solely on the business side of things and and the team. So and, and like I said, the, the problem solving skills, like if a like because like you can have <coughs> an okay business and have a really good team that can really push the business and, and the business still can thrive. And it's the same way, vice versa. You can have a really good business model with an okay team and the business still thrives. So just trying to like balance the two and make sure that, uh, you know, when I'm looking at these things and, and I'm looking at these different deals, looking at, looking to see like what the, whatever sector that they're in, that they have the expertise and knowledge that's, you know, some of the top in the game or some people that's sitting on the board that can help the, the company continuously grow and continuously get better, bigger and better. But um, also having the uh, the actual, the, the right, uh, the right software and platform that can continuously push the model and, and, and continue to expand to make it even bigger than what it, what it currently is at the time. 
and you you look at multiple companies in different stages as well as another thing you guys do, right? I think I said in the intro was early stage, growth stage, and and late stage, right? Do you do those three different stages? Obviously to diversify the portfolio, but with kind of those with those later stage companies, is it a little bit more of a a bit of a safer bet as opposed to those early stage companies? Is that kind of why you do those three? Yeah. So so I I, I initially started off my first investment was a super early stage company. It was just an idea, and then just claim it, right? Yeah, claim it. And then I realized that. Um, I can make money, you know, it, it's not as much, but I can make multiples on late stage investments as well. And then use the multiples from the late stage investments to make um, to, to make investments on growth and early stage opportunities. So basically play with some house money. So so what I started to do was I started to to invest into like later stage companies like DraftKings, Airbnb, DocuSign, uh, those type of companies. And and then I started to see multiples on money. So like two and three X on, on the money that I was getting, those two and three X's, you know, sometimes four and five X um, would give me the multiples that I need to continue to make investments, you know, in the growth and early stage sector. Um, so, so basically just playing with some house money as opposed to just playing with all of my money. Um, so, so it, it put me in a really good, um, opportunity and situation to where I can make some some bets on some different things, and uh, I've been very fortunate enough to 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 have some really good companies under my my belt and under my portfolio, um, you know, and it, and it's done really well. And you said you're getting 10, 15, 20 deals. You're kind of looking at a month. How are these deals? How are you finding these deals? Are you going to them? Are they coming inbound to you? What's that process look like for you? Uh, I mean, some some I might see. And say, oh, I, I like this company. I think we should look into this, and you know, and and then we'll figure out how to get to the founder, or figure out how to get to somebody within the company, and figure out like what their raise is, what they're trying to do, how can we value add, and then some deals are coming in. It's a lot of most of the deals are coming in from our partners. Like we have a, a really good um, partnership with a lot of different people and, and a really good base and foundation um, that we've kind of built over the past four or five years. Um, where um, we don't have to go out and source deals. Deals basically just fa- kind of fall in our laps and come to us now. Um, you know, we've um, we've been able to create some really good partnerships, and in these partnerships, you know, with you know uh, people from Silicon Valley Bank who sees most of the deals and handles most of the uh, the startups money out in Silicon Valley and all across the world. Um, Manhattan Mitchell Partners, um, Outlander Labs with Paige Craig. Um, JP Morgan Chase, you know, just when you like, we've really, Patrickoff, <laughs> Patrickoff Co. Um, we've really been um, put in a situation to where we have a lot of different partnerships and a lot of different people that really like uh, what we've been doing and see what we've been doing, what we've been doing, and they've been putting us in a lot of the different deals and giving us a lot of um, leeway. Uh, another good friend of mine, a chameleoner. He's uh he's done really well in in the startup space, and he's been putting us into some different deals and giving us some uh, leeway on some deals. So, uh, just a lot of different people have been just you know trusting us to you know be able to help companies out, but also be able to value add and put money into some really good deals. And how did you guys adapt to COVID once that hit? Did that kind of turn everything on its head for you guys? How did you adapt to that? <laughs> Actually, COVID turned everything up. <laughs> um, just because, okay. yeah, because like with COVID, like 
turned with COVID, all the companies started to uh, they started to need uh, cash flow and capital. So a lot of the companies um, that we wanted to kind of get into, they want they had started raising money because they needed burn rates for to get through COVID. So when they started raising money, they gave us a lot of leeway to get into a lot of really good deals um, and a lot of to to have a lot of leeway on some deals to where um, you know we can get in for cheaper prices than we would have you know if COVID didn't happen. So uh, COVID was you know wasn't a blessing, but it, it helped kind of kickstart, um, you know, some serial, uh, investing. <laughs> so, so, so it really, it really kickstarted uh, us getting into some really good, uh, fortune 500 companies, some companies that, that can be like life changing if, you know, a SPAC hits them or, uh, they go public and stuff like that. I want to, so like the reason, the reason we got connected was through Swish from TrueFan. Obviously, TrueFan is one of your investments. They sponsor the show. I was wondering if you could take TrueFan specifically and kind of run through the whole timeline of that deal and how everything came together, just to kind of give the audience like a can, like contextualize what this whole process looks like. So I'm curious how TrueFan first kind of came across your radar. Uh, TrueFan, <coughs> TrueFan uh, first came across the radar uh, with uh, Randy Rose of uh, Athletes Tech Group. Um, uh, me and him, uh, really good friends. He was Anthony Bennett's manager um, when I was in Minnesota with Anthony Bennett, and uh, we kind of just kept in touch. And he 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 knew that I was already kind of like investing into tech and stuff like that. So he had already been trying to get me uh, to invest into some deals that he he thought was some really good deals. So I was like, all right, well, you know, let me know when they got time to pitch. So he did like a a, a group like pitch session to like a whole bunch of athletes and different people. And uh, TrueFan was one of the companies. So I think it was a uh, TrueFan company called Workout, um, uh, another company called Rumble Gaming, and uh, Plantiga. So, so I sat on the phone. I, I listened to the pitch, and I thought it was really good. Um, a really good pitch uh, from me understanding data and analytics, especially like um, gathering uh, all of the first, second, and third party, um, you know, data and information. Um, and being able to get through uh, security bar- barriers and stuff like that with all that information. So uh, me understanding, you know, that sector a little bit, you know, really had got me engaged. And um, and then that's how I kind of went from uh, uh, me just listening to a pitch to me um, calling my um, my team and saying, hey, I got a really got a couple really good companies that I think, you know, we should look into. And actually all four of the companies were really good. <laughs> like, like super good, super good. Rumble Gaming was really good, um, um, and then uh, uh, Plantigo was really good, and Workout was really good. Workout just didn't have enough like leeway for me. Uh, Plantigo was really good because I liked the fact that they um, they were using force play technology, which is what the league is starting to try to get into now, and uh, more people are going to start trying to get into it. And so I had a, a, a lot of ideas there with them, and then. Um, Rumble Gaming was really good uh, from a standpoint of they had like a lot of leeway. They were already a profitable company, um, you know, and, but they already had a partnership with a company that I was already in, invested into, which was uh, Players TV. So I didn't want to kind of like double dip into the pot, <laughs> but I, I still I still keep them on my radar because I want to see them grow a little bit more than what they've been doing. Like. You know, some companies they at that point in time they may be just a, like a, a fad, right? They may it may, you know, burn out, you know, sooner sooner than than later. So 
I, I wanted to make sure that this was something that people were really buying into and, and people were really um, uh, looking into as far as like how, um, how their business model is set up. And then uh, back to uh, True Fan, True Fan was really, really engaged me because of, you know, what they do with the data and how they're able to help companies uh, market and not only market, but understand what their true audience is. You know, um, most companies, that's what they want. They want to know who, who their true audience is, who's really paying attention to their platforms and their softwares and their data, and who's really like like listening in to, and dialed into what they're doing. And I think TrueFan uh, really puts that out there to where it puts them in a, a, a unique situation to where they can kind of corner the market in that area. Um, you know, and they they acquired they were acquiring they they acquired a company. So, you know, when you you see other companies, you know, acquiring other companies within the sector that they're in, you know that you know it shows that they're in a position to be able to do some things. First off, shout out to Randy. Had him on the podcast probably about a year ago now. Yeah. Shout out to Randy. Um, but so once you make the decision, you hear these pitches, you decide, I want to invest in TrueFan. Then what happens? Like, is there a negotiation? Do you go back and forth? Do you try and figure out kind of what's that look like? Well, I listen to the pitches. And then once I listen to the pitches, me and the team, we go, we, we call it our huddle. So we go back and huddle and we talk about it. And then, uh, and then they ask me everything I, I like about it from all the notes that I take. Because uh, I take a lot of notes during during these pitches, and I ask a lot of questions. Uh, nine times out of ten, if I'm the only athlete on the <laughs> on the call, then uh, if I'm one of ten athletes on the call, I'm the only one asking a lot of questions uh, because I understand the whole investment side of things. So, um, and then like uh, another thing like has to, has to happen too is like it has to make sense with the valuation and you know with the, the type of money that they're raising, what they're asking for. Do they have a lead investor? Um, you know, who are their leads, who sits on the board, um, you know, what's, uh, who, how many people work for the company to how much generated income that they had, that they had, what's the gross margins, um, to how many, uh, what's the KPIs to also down, right. The cogs, you know, so, um, I look, I, I ask all those questions and then it, it helps me formulate if I really want to kind of dive more, dive into it a little bit more. And then um, once I get to that, that stage, then I go through, we start to go through a due diligence process. And this due diligence process is, is the, the process that really is like, like we might, I might get an investment memo from the due diligence process and it might be 10, 15 pages that I have to read and go through in order to even make an investment. But, um, Charles, who's our uh, investment analysis guy, he um, he does a really good job of putting together these investment memos and making sure that uh, we know every single thing about the company and where they're going and what they're trying to do, um, how they're trying to build for the future, and um, and what their what their market value could be down the line if they had they hit a certain number, let's hit a target. So um, it, it really just goes from the pitch to us huddling to us going after the huddle and saying, okay, I'm pushing this off on YouTube. And then those two, they go through the whole due diligence process. And then after we go through the diligence process, we go to legal. And then after going to legal, and if legal finds any red flags within the whole, uh, the whole, um, you know, all the legal documents, then we we have to go back and discuss that and make changes and <laughs> remarks to, to the legal documents. And then, 
after we make changes in legal and, and remarks to the legal documents, then we bring it back to them. And then if they agree to it, then that's how we get past that portion and then figure out, you know, what numbers uh, are we going to make the investment at? And so you said you're, you're getting about 10, 15, 20 deals a month. How often are you writing checks? How often are you investing in companies? Um, I mean, it just depends. It depends on how, how much we like the deal and if the deal makes sense for us. If the deal doesn't make sense or if it doesn't pass the due diligence process or the legal process, then, um, you know, we, we might write a check, you know, once a month. We might write two a month. We might write, we, we might not write any for three or four months. You know, it, like, like we don't have a specific goal on uh, how many checks we want to we want to continuously write. Um, I think what we we do is we try to find the best deals possible, and whatever comes out of the be- having the best deals possible, then we try to figure out if it makes sense for us. Um, you know, with it being the best deal, does it make sense for us as a company to continue to move forward with that deal? I have a quote of yours here written down from an, I believe it's from an article. I can't remember which one it was, but the quote is, I want people to understand that I'm not just an athlete. I'm a businessman, a person who believes in handling business the right way. And I'm a person who can walk into a building with people from any class and be comfortable. I'm curious how being a professional basketball player impacts the work you do in the boardroom. Uh, I mean, it, it gives me a little bit more respect because they know who I am as a, as an athlete, but when they listen to me talk and they, and I and hear that I understand, uh, stuff about business or uh, understand how to make investments to uh, tech companies and startups and I understand the sectors um, it it just elevates it to a whole new level so it really puts me in a position to where I can be like like I feel like I can be myself you know when I'm speaking or talking I don't have to sugarcoat anything I don't have to like try to fit in and stuff like that because I already know that they know who I am and what I, what I'm capable of. So, you know, um, you know, but for, for me, like it just, I think it just elevates it when people understand who I really am uh, as a person, like, like I'm real chill and laid back. So like you, you won't know all this stuff. or I know all this stuff until we actually have conversation. So once we start to have conversation or like I'm being brought up on stage or, or being brought up, you know, uh, into a zoom call where, you know, students or people who who do this on the regular, you know, um, you know, that's when people realize, oh, okay, like he he's super smart or he understands this. I have another quote I've written down here is that with um, in terms of investing, you've talking about in the article it was talking about how you already hit the lottery by being an NBA player. <laughs> right. So does that take the pressure off when you're investing because you've already hit the lottery? So you're like you kind of talked about playing with house money earlier. Does because you know you've already hit the lottery, does that make investing a little bit less pressure for you? For sure. Uh, it, I mean, it, it makes it super easy for me to say no, even if it's the the best deal in the world. It, it makes it easy for me to say no. I mean, I missed out on some really good deals um, because they didn't fit the structure that I needed for my investment strategy. Like we as a company, we have our investment strategy, and if it doesn't fit. You know, no matter how good the deal is or how many multiples it can be, we don't invest. Um, just for the simple fact of, like I said, like I've already hit my hit my lottery ticket several times, <laughs> so so I'm not really pressed for it. Like, yeah, I would love to make a lot of money on all these different deals, but you know, money isn't isn't everything. So so for me, it's it's like okay, like if if it's if it if it's not a part of what we set as far as investment strategies and 
it may then it's gonna put me in a position to where I'm gonna have to on the next deal, I might be thinking the same way. Oh, well, it's not a part of our investment strategy, but I just did this last deal. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So so I don't wanna get into constantly making bad bets or constantly making bets on different deals that's not a part of the investment strategy because it looks good. It's a sexy deal that everybody wants to get into, but it, it's not the best deal for me. Kind of from, from an outsider's perspective, looking to me, like NBA players are some of the most progressive athletes when it comes to investing. I mean, you know, LeBron, Steph, KD, you also guys like Anthony Tolliver, Trevor Booker. Why, from your perspective, are, are basketball players more involved in the startup world and investments? I think uh, because the the people that we're kind of like starting to build ourselves around, like you, like back in the day, your typical athlete would have, um, you know, his homeboys and those different people around. So when you have your homeboys around, the conversations are not about like business investments or it's not about different things. Now guys are coming out and they have teams and they have these teams that have, you know, your agent, your insurance guys, your business manager, your um, uh, marketing person, like, like now you have components that actually show that you're creating a business entity or um, creating an empire to where like you're serious enough to start making investments. So <clears throat> at first it wasn't that like we would just give our homeboy a title or we just give our like our brother or, or a sister a title. Right. And then just pay them with them having a title, but not doing any work. So, so now you have people that actually are actually doing work and actually um, sourcing and getting deals and looking at these deals and betting these deals and getting people that know about these deals to bet these deals. And, and the, the landscape of how your typical athlete is changing for the simple fact of, I think the circles are changing around the actual athlete. Like you have a number of people that used to be, a, used to be a, like grabbing on your coattail and just asking, asking, asking for money. But now it's, oh, like, I got this deal. Like, I got this startup company. I got this tech company. Like, I got this really good deal. I got these people that I, want, I need you to meet. Like, now is it's, everybody's building their own teams and their own circles. And, and, and with building these teams and circles, everybody's able to start kind of, like, talk about deals and talk about, like, how this deal can help them or how this deal can help another player or something like that. So um, guys are starting to more, like, now really get into different deals and, and 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 understand the, that investing, you know, we make a lot of money at this point in time in our life. So why not start investing? And why not start putting yourself in a position to where you can be uh, with some of these companies? Because it, it's not about just getting like endorsement deals now. Like, yeah, you can get you can get rolled an endorsement check, but you know, you want to be a part of the company. You want to be a part of a brand. You want to be a part of you know something that can that can grow really really big, and, and you want to be able to have you know, your hands on that product from start to finish. Are guys talk, coming up to you in the locker, are guys talking to you and stuff, asking for advice all the time? Like I've read somewhere that you don't like to preach to guys, but you wait till they come to you. Are guys coming to you more often these days? Yeah. I mean, you know, um, you know, on this overtime deal, I got, um, I got uh Garrett Temple and I got Zach Levine into the overtime deal. Uh, and that was because we was having a conversation at the card table. <laughs> so, so we was, so we were playing, uh, Car game that we all kind of play on the plane, and and uh, 
and we were just talking, talking about different stuff that we've gotten into, different uh, business investments and stuff like that. And then I, I was like, oh, like speaking of this business, investment, I'm looking at this one right now. Uh, it's called Overtime. And they were like, oh, oh like, yeah, I know about Overtime. And I was like, yeah. They was like, how you going to get in? I was like, well, I'm, I'm talking with the founder right now, having a conversation with I was like, so I'll, I'll vet the deal out and then let y'all know. And then I'll tell y'all if y'all, you know, if y'all want to get in. So, you know, we, we had them conversations now um, to where, you know, um, you know, guys know that I invest. They know that, I'm, you know, I handle business on a day-to-day basis. They hear me like having some phone calls and stuff like that. And they'll start asking me questions. And then it goes, it kind of goes from there. But yeah, guys are starting to ask me a little bit more now, uh, even other guys around other teams uh uh around the league. I think um I think Rudy actually got into the deal too. Uh me and Rudy was discussing he first thing he asked me when he seen me, he was like, Man, what's the next deal you got for me? <laughs> I was like I was like, that's how that's how we that's how we started the conversation now. He was like, I know you the man. I was like, I was like, man, look, I, I was like, I just got I was like, I just got the 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 access the same access that you can get. You just gotta take advantage of it. So you know, but uh, I think Rudy ended up getting into the deal. Um, I linked him and the founder up and told him, like, look, you know, this is my guy. Y'all, y'all talk, y'all have a conversation, and then you know, see where it goes from there. And then I think he ended up getting into the deal. I, I didn't follow through with it because I, I was looking at some other stuff on my side. I know we're almost out of time here, so I'm just gonna jump. I got two questions left. How often do you reflect on kind of the whole journey? You know, looking back from those those games out of Weaver Road to now guys are coming to you looking for investment advice. You're 14 years in the league. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I leave you believe you played more games, more minutes, more points than anyone from Memphis ever. How often do you reflect on the whole journey? Uh, all the time. I mean, you know, who like for me, uh, never, you know, it, it never crossed my mind that I would be playing in the NBA for 14 years, let alone one year. So, you know, um, for me, it was more along the lines of just continuously working and continuously uh, being able to stay here and, and continuously grinding each and every day. But, uh, like, always reflecting on, on different things, like, you know, thanking, thanking the Lord for, you know, putting me in a position to where I could take care of my family. Uh, and not only that, but, you know, be able to, you know, do other things outside of basketball. Like, Basketball's positioned me and put me in a situation to where, like, like I can do so many things now that I probably wouldn't have been able to do if I didn't play basketball. And you know, but I think it's also uh, a thing of me kind of like taking advantage of those opportunities. And it's I really I think I really did a good job of taking advantage of those opportunities and putting myself in a, a situation to where you know I can have these partnerships through my my venture firm and my real estate company and, you know, I can be able to get into like all these different deals and have all these different partnerships and friends uh, across the world, across, you know, the globe. And, uh, and then also being able to be a value add to all these different companies as well. For the last question, I like to flip the script a little bit. So instead of me asking the question, it's you asking the question, but it's not to me. So pretend you have a crystal ball and you can ask this crystal ball any question, you'll get the 100% honest answer. What is one question you'd want to know the answer to? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, I never really thought about it from that aspect. Um, I guess so. why 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 haven't I uh, why haven't I became a billionaire yet? <laughs> All right, I like it. I like it. I like that question. No one's ever asked that question before, but I love it. I love it. Um, 
I want to thank you so much for taking time to be on the podcast, man. Where can the people find you? Plug anything and everything you got right now. Uh, you can find me at thad.young21. That's my IG account, uh, at youngsmooth21. Awesome. Well, I'll make sure everything's linked in the show notes down below. But I want to thank you once again for taking time to be on the podcast. And I want to thank everybody for listening, whether you listen the entire way through or you only listen to bits and pieces. I really appreciate you taking time to check this out. Everyone do me a big favor. Go and follow Thad on Instagram. Go follow him on Twitter. Go check out Reform Adventures. I'll make sure everything's linked in the show notes down below so you can find it. If you'd like to follow me, you can find me everywhere on social media at the Jacob Kelly. Feel free to come and say hello. My DMs are always open. As always, today's podcast is powered by TrueFan. And I just want to give one more thank you to hashtag sports for inviting my social life to be part of their podcast summit for 2021 thank you once again for listening everybody we'll talk soon